Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson, and we are back with Ecclesiastes. Yes. And we are heading into, well, we're actually in the middle section mm-hmm, of Ecclesiastes. Right. We're headed toward the middle of the middle. That's right. And uh, if you've listened to us before, you know that literary structure um, plays a big part mm-hmm. in yep. how we read a book, and yep. uh, that that middle part is always important. Mm-hmm. That's and right. So um, we can talk about that in future podcasts if we want to, but uh, right. This but, is. But yeah. really, here we are. Even in a wisdom book, yes, even in a wisdom book, it's actually in all the books. Um, but this idea that you can get to understand the book by watching for literary structure, like you're talking about, and then working your way toward the middle. Right. So we're getting close to the middle of the middle today. We're in the middle as of 316. It'll go all the way to 612. That's the middle section of Ecclesiastes. In that middle, that's broken into parts too. Right. When we get to the center of the middle, it's going to be in chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 5, and we may reach that today. We'll see. But that's when we get there, I think we'll be able to kind of flesh out why the author feels like that's so important that he's stuck it in the middle. Yes. Um, Sometimes we really miss out if we don't know that. So. Right, you do. It's amazing what you can miss out on by not realizing that you just passed the author's main point because um, you were so busy reading toward the end that you right. were passing. Right, because we kind really of, essential. in our Western culture, expect it to be in the end. Yes. But it's really not. Their main point is usually not. Their main point is usually so. um somewhere toward the center and so that's why we're going to focus on that as we go through here make sure we point that out to y'all so that y'all can see before we ever pass it oh this is this is a big deal we need to keep this in mind as we keep going because everything else in the book will kind of take its cues from that right um, it's all flowing out of that one yes. big point so, so um, as we get to 316, um, as we got to 316 last time, we went to the end of chapter 3. I just wanted to remind y'all before we get going good today that that paragraph, that last paragraph in chapter 3, which was the beginning of the center, he started by talking about how there's wickedness and, and righteousness all mixed up everywhere you'd look. And even in the most righteous places, there's wickedness there too. And, but God, he trusts in in chapter three, verse 17, he trusts that God is going to bring everything into judgment, righteousness, wickedness, God is, God's going to somehow make all the things, you know, judge all things for what they are. Then when you get to 18 and following, all of a sudden you're wondering, well, then why is he talking like this? Because all of a sudden you're thinking, well, it sounds like though that he does, he just thinks we're like animals anyway. That, I mean, maybe there is no judgment. What does he mean by changing his tune in 18 through the end of chapter 3, 318 uh, through 322? Well, he doesn't change his tune because in 318, he's making a point by saying that God is testing people. God is testing people. That is, he is making the point that by making it seem to our eye, what we can see seems like we're no different than animals. Who's to say that man's spirit goes somewhere different than an mm-hmm. animal's spirit, a beast's spirit when it dies? Right. So that's his. That's what he's fleshing out there is that it's all a test for us because God does test us. James chapter one. Right. Um, 
Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, God tests Abraham. God tests, that's what he does. And so he makes it so that by our eyes, by what we can confirm in a test tube, guess what? We're not going to be able to prove an eternity. He's put eternity with our hearts, within our hearts, the author just told us, but not so that we can understand what it's like, what eternity really is. Right. And so, so ultimately, I've got to go on faith. That's his whole point. That's God's point. And, and so, will we, if we, if we're just going by, if we can't prove it? If we couldn't prove it, yeah, and we can't, then yes, then will we? Still want my faith? And that's the yep. test. There's the test. There is the test. Going to find out who I am. I'm going to find out who I am before God by how I respond to this test. Uh, and so that's what I think without question, that's where this author is going. So he is not a pessimist by any means. He believes in God and that God has it all in his hand. And God's going to bring everything into judgment. But just know that on this side of it, you're going to have plenty of times where you're looking at it and going, well, that's incomprehensible. That's incomprehensible. I don't understand this life. Why does it work this way? Shouldn't it be something different? You're going to have plenty of that. That's right. what he's talking about. And that is, that is the way life is. Yeah, and that is definitely the way <laughs> life is. Uh, so I think now we'll go into that next paragraph that he's got, which is the beginning of chapter four. And chapter four, verse one through three, I think is what we should start with. Okay. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 1 through 3. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought the dead who are already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Okay, so just these three verses to start here. Now that we're kind of taking a closer look at them, he's taking a look around again. He said, okay, I saw all the oppressions that were done under the sun. Under the sun is that phrase we've heard several times here in this mortal existence. And behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. So that that is just pointing out the fact that this world seems so un- unfair. Yes. Right. What's right about this? It is just like when the oppressed do get oppressed, they have no recourse because mm-hmm. there's power on the other side. Right. And how can you possibly go against that? And so it seems inequitable seems crazy why would it work like this it doesn't seem like a fair thing to do like a right thing to work and I thought the dead who were already dead more fortunate than the living who are still alive mm-hmm. he's like oh my goodness better to have died gotten out of this right. than to Free be from living this. and be right. in this and it seems so because it just seems crazy that we would enjoy this kind of life versus dying if because all I'm looking around is seeing all the inequity and the injustice mm-hmm. in the world and it just mm-hmm. hurts my heart all the time so man I don't see why this is any good and then he brings up verse 3 to make it even more morose sounding <laughs> but better than those the living or the dead is he who has not yet been and has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun 
man, I'd rather be an unborn child. I mean, not have to ever, not have ever looked at this at all, than to be in, having having to have had looked at this for a lifetime. Yeah, and even you're safe. Be over. If you've never been born and had to live here, then you don't. You're safe from all this pain. Yeah, then the pain. You did, at least you didn't have to experience suffering. Yeah, so it's really a very, it's a very dark way of thought, and he's speaking, of course, from a very humanistic standpoint. I mean, this is right. just me. Looking at the world, this is what I see in her. And yet, exactly. yes, and yet we know that God wants justice. Yeah, He doesn't exactly. want this oppression I, to be taking place. Right. And so, and this author definitely right. knows that too, and mm-hmm. believes that, which is what he was saying back in three sixteen and seventeen. He believes God is a God of justice. So here we can't. We have to let Him speak with that in mind. We have to let Him go. Okay, just looking around and seeing what's under the sun. I come away with these kind of feelings. Right. Ugh, it hurts. It's ugly. Uh, I really think seems. this is. We should feel this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it should. I mean, flow, we should have this moment. Yeah. That we look around and we see this, and then we move on to how does God want me to make it different? Yeah. Yeah. What does He have me here for? Yeah. Is there something I can do? I trust that the Spirit of God is at work. Even in the midst of this, and so I want to work alongside him. Because I think sadder than this is somebody who never even realizes it、mm-hmm. and sees it. Oh, I agree. Sad, much sadder than this, right? Is the person who can live in the midst of it and not see it?、Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like that would be the saddest. I feel of all like、people. there's a lot of that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. They might not feel. They might never feel sad, but that's what's so sad. Yeah. That they don't get it. That they that that you could live in this and not have a sense of the inequity and the and the disparity in the world and the problems、right. that are going on, suffering. Yeah, that's the problem. So the picture he paints for one through three is bleak for sure,、um, and and but something that needs to grab our hearts. Something we need to think about. And again, that word evil at the end of toward the end of verse three in the ESV it says evil deeds. I would probably say distressing deeds would、mm-hmm. be a better way. Better than better than both is he who has not yet been and has not seen the distressing deeds that are done under the sun. All these things that cause our heart distress, cause our heart to be in angst, to have problems. That's that's what he doesn't want to see. So there we are. He's painted that part of the picture for us. Now let's go on to chapter four, verse four through. Six,、okay. and、uh, and I think that's a little block. Let's give that a little bit of attention. Then I saw that all toil and all skill and work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Did you want to go? And one more.、Uh, better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Okay, so again, he now he's moving on where he's seeing. Then I saw, so he's looking at something else, just like verse four one. Again, I saw, you know, I saw this. I saw that all toil and all skill in work come from man's envy of his neighbor. This is incomprehensible. This is、uh, an enigma. That、uh, what? I mean, why is this at the at the heart of work? 
being Because it's still a chasing after the winds. Still yes. hurting wind. That's right. Because, I mean, we've said this before. If you are working hard so that you can get a better life, a better house, a better car, a better these things. Yes. Then really, then, is it, who's it better than? Right. Because then you, if you do achieve that, then there's always someone who has more and better. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it never ends. That's right. And so I see it's what he's saying here. Cycle. It is this, it's a chasing the wind. Yes, it's chasing that's the wind. That's all it is. It's hurting the wind, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. That's exactly where he's going. So I'd say it's just this good work, hard toil and good work that's done is really based on so much of it. I mean, the vast majority of it, I would say, in the world is based on an envy or a comparison mindset with others around us. Right. That's what it is. And I hate that. It's sad if that's the way it is, but that's life. This is life. Mm -hmm. This is how we are. It's usually the motivation, really. We want what other people have, what we see that other people have. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's right. So then, but then he got a, so in five and six, what's his, this is kind of his best solution. And it is the, it is the balance between two things. It's a delicate balance. Because wisdom would say both of these things can be terribly detrimental to you. So you've got to learn to live between these two things. So if you just sit and fold your hands. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. So he's starving. He's starving. He's starving. He's quit working. Yeah, he's quit working out of a sense for whatever reason. I mean, this guy could quit working now. This guy could look around at the world and the way it works and says, well, so much for that. I'm not giving into right. that anymore. But then he'd just be a fool who sits around and dies of starvation because he doesn't right. do anything. But on the other hand, verse six, better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. So in other words, better is a little with peace. Better say as long as you have enough. As long as you have, you have one handful, you have enough. And there's a little with some peace in your life. Then, okay, you've got plenty. You've got two handfuls. you got mm-hmm. plenty. But you got nothing but chasing after the wind. You're hurting right. the wind all the time. You're just constantly striving, striving, striving for the next goal. Yeah. So there's got to be some middle ground to be found between being a fool who wastes away and being a, you know, a tycoon who has zero peace in his life. Right. There's got to be some balance in there. And I think that's definitely where verses four through six are going, telling us we got to be able to find And that's hard to find middle ground. that middle ground. It is. It is a difficult place to find, but we've got to strive to reach it. We've got to, got to constantly be telling ourselves, reminding ourselves um, that there is, there is a place where we can be more at peace. Uh, and we got to, we need to try and find that. Okay, so those are both very important points. Now he's going to kind of shift his thought a little bit as we move into verse 7, because now he's going to talk about this other incomprehensible thing that he has seen under the sun. Uh, And as he tells us about what that is in verse 7 through 12, I think it'll come clear pretty quickly uh, why he's talking in the way that he is. But let's just start by reading 7 through 12. Okay. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, 
For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so I, you probably heard it. Yeah, what are you hearing? I just think that this is saying meaning comes from relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need each other. Mm-hmm. And so as much as an introvert as I am, yeah. I know I need community. I need other people. I need relationships. I need you. I need um, these other people. Yes. And that's what brings meaning to any of this. Right. Mostly, I need a relationship with God. But of course, that's played out in my relationships with others. Right. Yes. And, um, so community is essential. Right. Community is essential. And why would you want to spend your life working for just yourself? I know. Then it is meaningless. I mean, if you don't have anybody to share it with, to work together, to build it with. Yeah. Um, and these poor, lonely people who are building empires just of themselves, just for themselves. Uh, that's who he's referencing in verse 8. The ones whose eyes are never satisfied with riches. And he never asks, for whom am I toiling? And depriving myself of pleasure. Depriving myself of that daily enjoyable pleasure that he's already said we need to have. This eating and drinking and taking joy in today's toil. I mean, that's what we do. If you can't do that, why are you doing this? Why are you amassing this? So eating, drinking, and having joy uh, in the day-to-day, that is all about community in case you're not catching it already. Right. To a, in an in a Eastern mindset, a Jewish mindset of this time, that's the only way you're going to have real joy is to be with family in a community setting, eating and drinking and sharing in communion together. This is where life is found. And so when it says that, let's not get a picture of a person who gets to eat and drink all they want, sitting alone in a room, just wallowing in their riches. Obviously that's not what he's talking about. Um, So here, the person who's alone, they're the poorest of all. They're the worst, they're they're in the worst position. And this is often verses that are used in, Weddings. Yeah, especially verse 12. And, yeah. yeah, 9 through 12, yeah. I guess. And yeah. um, I used to think it was a little out of context, but I think it it, it is contextual here. Mm-hmm. That we, yeah, that it's a, the importance of being together. Yes, you don't having, have to be married. No. That's not what it's saying. No. But it is saying we need each other. We mm-hmm. need close, yes. intimate relationships. Right. We need to work together. We need to... Yeah. build together and so in that way it works yes absolutely I think the, the basic point is what we need to hear yeah same for marriage same for close friendships whatever church right? it's real relationships in church relationships for sure uh, right? speaks yeah. into all of that yeah very much so okay so it's all about community that's 7 through 12 all about having close connection to and others. it is interesting that it says a three-fold cord so yeah, it's, it's talking God about two, 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 but then that threefold is an interesting yeah. thing. Yeah, um, so and that's how we usually talk about it in weddings. It's God and the bride and the husband that are all right. being bound together. Um, 
so, with that. It's with all of us. That surely, yes. We're God having relationship with each other, but we're also having relationship with him. And mm-hmm. that's what makes life good yeah. and meaningful. Yep. Agreed. So then we get to verse 13 now, and he's going to shift a little bit again. We're not going to be on the same community thought that we've just been on. He's going to move us into something else. But uh, I say something else. It has some connection, obviously. But verse 13 through verse 16 is more of him almost telling a little parable type thing. So let's read 13 through 16 and see what he says there. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun along with that youth who was... Sorry. Mm -hmm. Let me start over here. Let's do that. Okay. Sorry to do this on a podcast. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. For he went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been poor. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with that youth who was to stand in the king's place. There was no end of all the people, all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. Surely this is also vanity and a striving after wind. Okay, this is also vanity. This is also incomprehensible. What happened to this young man who became king. I mean, he's a poor and wise youth. That's how he starts. Better was a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. I mean, that's, that's, you'd be better off being the poor wise youth than you would be the old foolish king. But you got, the king has everything he needs, but. This is what happens though a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Start out as a wise youth. Yeah. Poor and wise youth, but who wind up being old, foolish And who can't take advice anymore. Yeah, who can't take advice. That's right. Yeah. Um, And then he goes on in his parable, for he went, the young, wise youth, went from prison to the throne, though in his own kingdom he had been born poor. So he was born poor, he went to prison, but he wound up on the throne. I saw all the living who move about under the sun, along with the youth who was to stand in the king's place. In other words, great throngs of people, all the living who move around under the sun. That's his point. There's all this, these masses of people who had learned to follow this young wise man as he became king and then to live by his direction, his great wisdom. There was no end of all the people, it says in verse 16. Look, this is a great story. It's a great story. It sounds so good. Like we're really going somewhere great. Sounds like a self-made man. Well, although it doesn't have to be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it could be just somebody who's given wisdom by God. but And all of whom he led. Yet those who come later will not rejoice in him. In other words, even with all he does to lead the people in wisdom and And with all he did to make his rise through prison, through poverty, and find his place in wisdom at the top of the top of the heap, and help people and guide a nation, and they all look to him, just scads and scads of people looking to him. Guess what? Still, he's not going to be remembered a few generations from now. People won't act like he was anything. They'll go on about the if they even know his name. No matter how much you 
how much following you have in this That's life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's the people probably aren't going to remember you. Yeah. It's right. rare. So he winds up saying, "Surely this is, this also is vanity and striving after wind." Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! This also is incomprehensible. How in the world is it that a man can live and change the lives of so many, change his own life, go through incredible, uh, make incredible strides, and change his environment, change his life, and everything's different for him? And then he winds up changes whole, changing whole cultures, and yet not be remembered at all. That seems incomprehensible to this guy. Right. That seems incomprehensible. It's like he was hurting the wind the whole time. Like that king was and just he hurting was. the wind because he didn't get anything out of it. Right. Yeah, and he kind of was, kind of, from certainly from a human. This is all we're talking about. Certainly from a human point of view, he was, because there's nothing that you can test. Nothing, no test you can do that can prove that anything he did. Was going to be long-lasting or make a difference forever. There's a, and there's his big point. So, from our perspective, all of this looks like an enigma. All of this looks vain, looks incomprehensible, useless, maybe even. What is there anything there? Is there anything there? And so we'll wind up. These are the questions we're going to wind up asking when we look with just our eyes. But. Now that he's gone through this, these things that keep him perplexed again, all these things that keep him perplexed, he's reached chapter five, and chapter five starts with seven verses here, which are the middle of the middle. These are where he takes his big, major point from. This is where he's laying it down for us, and、uh, and we're going to have to see it for what it is and allow it to influence all the rest of his writing, so that we can really get where he's going. So, so let's.、Um, we'll read it and start it, and then right. We'll read. read it and say a couple things about it. We'll let y'all think on it for a few days, and then we'll go, come right back to it、uh, whenever we start our next okay, podcast. Okay, that sounds good. Ecclesiastes five one through seven. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for He has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear.、Mm. Wow. Okay, so chapter five, one through seven. Here it is. Here's the heart of the heart of his letter. It's the middle of the middle, and it's all admonitions,、mm-hmm. and it's all about drawing close to God and offering Him sacrifice,、right. paying your vows that you've made to Him. It's about coming into His presence and、yeah. and what you bring when you're in、mm-hmm. His presence, and the fact that you need to listen and shut up and you 
you know, be attentive to him and not expect him to be attentive to you. I mean, all of this is in here, and it's all written in admonitions, in imperatives. This is what you should do. Here, do this, do this, do this. And the first one is right there in verse one: guard your steps when you go to the house of God. In other words, be careful. Be careful with how you're going. Think about what you're doing. Don't, you know, just don't just skip in there. Skip in there. Yep, yeah. exactly. Without a care in the world, acting like it's no big deal. That's not. Be more is, careful than this that. This is important business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So drawing near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they don't know that they're doing evil, because they're going in and offering their sacrifices and thinking they're fine. Oh, gotta get us, give another sacrifice to God. Okay, God, here you go. Here's your sacrifice. Now I gotta go. I better to come and just listen than to do that stupid thing. Right. Better to even if you don't come with anything, if you come with a listening ear, it's better than the fool who just comes in with the sacrifice and doesn't know what he's doing. And so, so draw near to listen is better than offering sacrifices. Your heart is in a better place if you are listening for God and to God than it is if you're offering just sacrifice without thinking about what you're doing. Because um, fool doesn't even realize they're doing evil when they're doing it. Verse two: Be not rash with your mouth. This is another admonition. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. So don't be quick to talk, for God is in heaven and you're on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Okay, He's up there. He knows everything. He's sitting on His throne. He knows everything that's happening. You don't know nothing. Right. So shut up. Right. Let Him do the talking. He's the, he's the one who knows. You don't need to you don't need to spill it to him all the time and let him know how what's going on down here and how much help you need and how he needs to take care of things. And just to close out here before we keep going, because verse three and verse seven seem very parallel. They are very parallel. Yep. Dreams and words. Dreams and words. That's how he's talking about them in each. Um, this increase for a dream comes with much business, or busyness or business, both of them work here, and a fool's voice with many words. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this is us when we think we have the key to everything. Our yeah. imaginations, <laughs> our dreams, in other words, our imaginations, our thoughts that spring out of our heads. Um, we want to tell everybody about it. We want to do all Including sorts of things God. for them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and we just go wind up going on and on. When we need to just shut up and let him talk to us. It's not all about us talking to him. And so these are things we're going to go on with them next time. But these are the kinds of things that the author is trying to get into the head of the listener as being central to life. Here's the real key. You need to be someone who listens to God and who takes seriously what you promised Him, and to be quiet before Him. This is what's going to make your life better. This is where, where real wisdom is found in this. It's found in acting this way and doing this. Okay, so we're going to continue this next time. Yes, we'll just finish talking first. about this middle of the middle yes. and what that means for the rest of the book. Right. Um, right. We're out of time. Okay. Well, it would be great to get back to it. And this is probably a really good place for us to break off. Give you a little something to think about as we go over the next few days for all you listeners. Um, we're really glad you are listening. Ecclesiastes is a great book. No, it's a little hard, but it is 
very, very valuable. It's here for a reason uh, because we've all felt this way at one time or another. What in the world is that? What's the meaning? Why are we、yes. doing this? So we'll continue with this talk. Really glad you're listening. Share it with somebody if you get a chance, or、um, just post it social media, whatever you like. But we are really, really happy to have you, and we'll be talking to you again in just a few days. God bless. Thank、you